Welcome to the Scaling New Heights podcast. Today we have an exciting episode. We'll be interviewing Simon Bailey, who's the author of the book, Spark. We're gonna be talking about Spark and what that acronym stands for. But before we get to that acronym, he's got some other interesting terms we're gonna be covering, like VUCA and VUJADE. Let's see what Simon Bailey means by those by getting into the interview with Simon right now. Simon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Good to be with you. I'm, I'm glad to have you on the podcast, and we're glad to have you also on the main stage of Scaling New Heights coming up this June. I want to jump right in with both feet to this con- concept of transformation work that is a pervasive theme for the Woodard organization, but it's also the theme of this year's Scaling New Heights conference. And you and I found each other for this conference because it's been a longtime passion of yours, this concept of of transformation. So we define transformation work as an increase in small business wealth, which is often financial, but can be beyond the financial, including psychological benefits for the owners, cultural benefits for the organization, infrastructural benefits for the organization. So it's a holistic transformation that often or maybe always contains a financial component, right? What's the importance right now? Is this something that the accountants can wait and see on? Or is there a compelling reason for them to begin making this shift now? There's a compelling reason for accounts to make the shift now, and, and here's why. If they are holding on to what got them here, thinking that it's going to carry them into the future, they may wake up one day and totally be out of business. And, and that is not to scare them. It's to awaken them to say, am I holding on to the way I've always done it because it's always worked? And am I being invited to a new reality to create the future instead of waiting for the future to be created for me? Men and women that are on the transformation journey, they take the bull by the horn and they create the future. Well, this is a scary proposition for accountants and really for anybody that's trying to make a shift, a paradigm shift in the way that they do work and service their clients. And you have an acronym that I think speaks to this a little bit. It's, it's, it's VUCA, V-U-C-A. What does it stand for? And, and why, do you, why do you lead with it in so many of your talks? Yeah, so VUCA is a term that was created by the Center for Creative Leadership based out of North Carolina as they research leadership all over the world. And VUCA stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And when the Center for Creative Leadership talks about it, what they're saying is where the world is right now is volatility. Uh, When you look at what's happening in Venezuela, when you look at what's happening in Europe with Brexit, all right, it's volatility. And then uncertainty. We don't know if the stock market is going to be up or down. Complexity with technology disrupting how we do what we do. And then ambiguity. Our customers are coming to us with different changes like never before because of the tax laws, different things that they want to try. So in this VUCA environment, professionals have to begin to say, how do I keep a number of plates spinning without losing my mind, but also literally creating the future that I want to live in? Yeah, we, we're fun and, and that's powerful because that's, that is the world we live in and, and overcoming fear, which was the theme of our 2017 conference, we call it facing the Yeti. 
is a critical um, barrier that you have to overcome if you're going to continue to scale the mountain. So, and then what we learned is that this fear, this thing that you think would impede your journey is often the protector of your journey because by, by, by facing the fear and in one of two responses, by either facing it and continuing down the path that it seems to be blocking, that's a form of overcoming, or in some cases that fear does truly impede that path you're on or that circumstance or that ambiguity or that complexity or that uncertainty or that volatility, and it redirects you to a different path to continue the climb up the mountain. Whether it's challenging you to make sure you can survive if you continue to climb and strengthening you, or if it's redirecting you to the path you were always supposed to be on, either way, VUCA can be our friend. Would you agree? Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful. All right, so let's connect the dots then. If VUCA is really our friend in disguise, if that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger, if the, if the circumstances of life that are VUCA related are really a forging fire, right? What's the connection then? There has to be one between VUCA and transformation work. Yeah, so here's the connection. The mindset to adopt is courage, examine your character, and be consistent. So mm. let's unpack that. Courage is built in the midst of fire. It's built when it's not easy. Uh, transformation is not convenient. If it was convenient, everyone would be on the journey. It's inconvenient. It's doing the things you don't want to do. But it's that courage that then leads to character. Character is never built when everyone is looking. Character is built when no one is looking. It's doing the things that are uncomfortable because you know it's the right thing to do and then doing them consistently because every accountant listening to us right now what has allowed you to succeed thus far is the power of consistency you know what you know but now we're just adding the courage piece and really inviting you to look in the mirror and have the character to make the tough decision okay so now we've got vuca and we've got the response to VUCA. We've connected it to transformation work because if we can help our clients do everything you just mentioned, right, to turn around and speak to their own lion, then we're going to help them to continue to scale those new heights in their business as well. And that's the nature of transformation. The, the accounting industry is becoming increasingly commoditized. And, you know, bookkeeping services has this race to the bottom on price. Assurance services are seen as overhead and, and this sort of necessary evil in order to maintain funding for my bank or whomever. And then there is this association and tax preparation. First, it's also commoditized. And second, there are the two things most dreaded in life, death and taxes. And that puts the tax preparer often in the same company as the mortician, right, psychologically. So, so in this world where accountants are relegated to the back office, hyper-commoditized and associated with death, uh, and I'm being just slightly hyperbolic, okay? What can accountants do to differentiate themselves and break out of that, that branding mold? So I'm gonna challenge the accountants listening to us right now, and forgive me for using a sports analogy, but every accountant, because they handle a person's money, a business's money, they must begin to see themselves as the financial quarterback. Now, what do I mean by that? When you are the financial quarterback, you come alongside that family or that business and look at where they're going 30,000 feet, not just the service you offer, 
but you begin to identify areas of opportunity to help them grow their business, expand their business, better manage their business, because you understand the finances. You understand where all the dollars are moving. And you begin to ask them questions that you've never asked them before for them to see you in a new light. That's the first thing to think about, the financial quarterback. Then the second thing is everyone that's on your team that works with your customers, begin to help them think about what are the questions that we should be asking our clients or what questions are they asking us that perhaps we have ignored in time past. And let's start to keep a running list of what those questions are and say, wait a minute, what's our solution to their problem? And then the third thing to think about is how do we not only up the service level of what we give them, but how do we provide such an experience for them where they become our unofficial marketing department because we are helping them protect their future. So do they have succession planning in place? And if so, how are you helping that next generation really understand how you as a financial quarterback can help them succeed long-term? Well, and I'm so glad that you mentioned succession planning because in succession planning, a lot of folks listening might say, well, my, I have millennial clients or I've got, I'm not a succession planner. I'm not an exit strategist. Um, I, I, so maybe I'll help them in the, in the here and now and refer that over to somebody else. But there's a principle that I talk about a lot in succession planning. You should always set as your plumb line for the health of your business this question. Is it a business someone would want to buy? And there's, well, there's more even if I don't come with it. And so if, if that is the plumb line, then really all of business coaching is a form of succession planning. But I, I wanna circle back for a second because everything you just said is powerful. Everything you just said is a role the accountant should play. And I think accountants should spearhead, but a lot of folks listening to this podcast either aren't or never want to be an expert in all of the areas necessary to bring about that kind of transformation. So, how can accountants strategically partner better and what's the partnership play with business transformation? Yeah. So if you say my expertise is not succession planning, but here's the thing you do own, you own the relationship. Instead of handing them off to that subject matter expert who does succession planning, bring that subject matter expert under your umbrella. And though you are not providing the advice, you know what's going on and you are able to insert yourself so that that person knows that you still control the relationship. That's, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is when you do bring in that person that's the expert, have a debrief with them to say, what did you discover? What did you hear? Because you may uncover, they may uncover some things that you didn't know that are very informative to the strategies that you provide to them later on. And then third, annually step back and say, what did we hear? What did we learn? Now, do we put out a white paper, a case study? How do we begin to market ourselves differently to show that we have an edge in the marketplace in helping our customers? All right, Simon, there's, that's so packed. So let me unpack a couple of things. I like your unpack word. Let me unpack a couple of things on that. First, um, if you're listening and you don't think that you're yet at the point where you can orchestrate a team of other experts in order to create a composite whole, if you say, Joe, I can see myself there, there one day, I'm not there now. The first step is to serve on that kind of team to support the relationship worker as a subject matter expert. 
see how the game is played, get on the field, then work your way to the point where you're leading your own team. And it's not as big of a gulf as you might expect. You're going to see once you get the confidence of having served on a team, how easy it would be to orchestrate that process. So that's, that's unpack number one. And, I, and, and unpacking that second piece, which was equally powerful, the collective insights of that entire room become your focal point for both prioritization and the relationship management you have with the client once you're the orchestrator of the team. So you've got another term, and it's vuja day. Why do you talk about that a lot in your presentations? So a number of years ago, MasterCard invited me to come to their corporate headquarters to do a presentation, and I was sharing the stage with Bill Taylor. Bill Taylor, co-founder of Fast Company Magazine, and he wrote a book called Practically Radical. Bill dedicated an entire section in his book to Vujade, and here's how he defines it. Vujade is looking at your market, your industry, your profession with a fresh set of eyes as if you've never seen it before, asking the question, where's the Vujade? And I had told uh, Bill at that time that I had just written a book and it was so serendipitous, I was focused on this, on this whole thing called Vujade. So here's the net net. Vujade is the opposite of deja vu. Deja vu means been there, done that. But Vujade means going there and doing that. So let's give you some prime examples. And, and this, these are overused examples. Let me just add that disclaimer. But we didn't know a decade ago that we needed Uber. But Uber looked at what everybody else could see, taxi cab industry, deja vu, and they vujadated. They went the opposite way. They said, how do we now empower the consumer to call for a car and rate the experience immediately, thus controlling their experience from start to finish. It's Vujade. Airbnb, we didn't know 10 years ago we needed Airbnb. Airbnb has come out of nowhere and they have more real estate that they do not own in less than a decade than any other hotel or, or motel. It's because they Vujade'd it. They looked at what everybody else could see and they went the opposite way. And I can give you example after example, but the whole power of Vujade for accountants is to say, let me look at what I've been doing for however long you've been doing it with a fresh set of eyes as if I've never seen it before and say, if I just got licensed as a CPA, what would I do differently? What's my Vujade? I want to add, if that seems daunting to the listeners here, that we would have to reinvent tax preparation or we'd have to reinvent bookkeeping, you don't have to reinvent them. You can leverage the technologies that are actively reinventing them. So we get it a little bit easy on the Vujade because we get to adopt the technologies of the people that are driving that kind of reinvention and innovation. And I would say focus first on client experience and then work backward from there into practice efficiencies. Because what Simon was saying earlier about differentiating yourself in a highly competitive world, uh, if you start and you prioritize with the customer facing piece, the client facing piece, then you're going to begin the differentiation process earlier um, and, then, and then work your stack backward from there. And, and you're a big fan of Ritz-Carlton. Speaking of customer service, why? Because Ritz-Carlton has embedded it into their culture. It's how they're wired. They always, they don't hire, they select. 
they have basics that they focus on every single day and it's just a part of the dna of their culture yeah and i and, and i've heard that select not hire and i heard it from someone who was a senior executive in the ritz carlton organization and it's a powerful distinction right they're recruiting people very intentionally because of their their desire to to please customers and to to delight customers and that that's a actually a great transition into this book you wrote uh, spark you know five platinum service principles um, what are the five principles how can accountants deploy them to differentiate to lead with transformation to overcome commoditization so the first principle is how do you see every customer as guests everything that disney taught me was seeing the guest first accountants should think about not just seeing the transaction and being paid a fee for service but really beginning to see the guest or your customer through the power of relationship because relationships are the currency of the future all right and and when you see them through the relationship guest lens you begin to to understand how do I point them to true north because every customer, every guest has a compass. They have a need, a want, a style, and an emotion. So how do I see them through the guest lens? Then the P stands for how do we personalize that experience? Personalization is the order of the day. No one wants to be treated the same old, same old. So for example, when I go to my insurance guy, Michael Hanley, Michael knows not only me and my children, but he also knows that I love golf. And a few years ago, he invited me to the, to the Bay Hill Country Club. And just through serendipity, I had a chance to meet Arnold Palmer. But that personalization of him knowing how I'm wired has endeared me to him. And I have referred people to him. And then after we understand how do we see them as guests, how do we personalize the experience, the next principle is how do we anticipate their needs? And anticipatory service is what Ritz Carlton is all about. So by the time you pull your car onto the front drive and the person asks for your name, by the time you get to the front desk, they are already stating your name. How did that happen? Because the person who receives you when you pull up already radios in, Mr. So-and-so is walking in, let me describe him or her to you. And because of that anticipation, you're like, whoa, that was phenomenal. And then the next principle is how do we respond immediately? How do we be uber responsive? So in a world where we are now in the recommendation economy, people can rate the experience with their doctors, with their lawyers, with the rest at a restaurant and at a movie. How do we respond so quickly to customers where we don't leave anything to chance? And then the K is how do we keep them loyal with kindness? I, I want to bring kindness back into business because we all should come from a kind ethos where everyone is like, whoa, what a phenomenal experience. That is the whole framework of Spark. And that could lend itself to an entire podcast episode by itself. So I would love to have you on maybe after the conference, if you're willing, and we, let's just break down Spark. But I want to I want to drill down on the first one because you started with the first one because it's both the headwaters of, I think, the others. If you don't have it, you can't really accomplish the others, if I'm understanding correctly. And second, it's the one that I think most accountants and bookkeepers struggle with. So we did a study 
talking about lens, you know, with Disney. Uh, the, I went to Disney with my daughter for the first time, and I had a certain expectation. I, I, I didn't take the monorail. I took the boat, if you're familiar with Disney World, because when you take the boat, the castle's more up above you, and it's more grand, and you you come around that center island, and it just sort of, it's like stepping into a magical world. And, and I, I didn't look at the castle. Simon, I looked at my daughter's face, because I wasn't there to see the castle. I'd seen the castle a few dozen times. I was there to see my daughter's face. And so, so there are several things we could drill down on Disney all day long, but one is they know their product. Their product is a memory. They did a really good job delivering their product to me that day. They delivered a memory to me, the look on my daughter's face, right? And then they continued to deliver memory after memory after memory, some of which I remember more acutely than others, but I got the product and they also understood what I was there for, maybe even better than I did. Um, because maybe I hadn't thought through, because at that time I hadn't read or attended Disney Institute or read the books, I hadn't thought through that they were selling me a memory, but they knew before I even knew the product that I wanted. So let, let me challenge accountants here as we wrap up on this. If you want to see through the lens of your clients, I have a peephole for you. Over the last two to three years, I've asked over a thousand accountants a fill-in-the-blank question. Don't sell me accounting services, sell me blank. Now, Simon, I want you to listen to this list. I want to get your reaction to it, and then we'll wrap. Here's the list. It's quite long, but just absorb every one of the ones on this list. This is what small business owners are asking their accountants to sell them. Psychological health, knowledge, solutions, process, time back, direction, opportunity, measurements and metrics, automation, standardization, leadership, coaching, profits, scalability, peace of mind, hope, work-life balance, financial security, planning, vision, visibility, stability. All right. It's a powerful list. What's your gut reaction? You've never heard that list before, Simon. What's your gut reaction to it? It's brilliant. And you are now getting at the heart of what people really want because you have given them what they want and you'll take care of the need. The need is, yes, I need accounting, but people really want you to meet their wants. That's a profound list. I would love to get that list. Wow. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to send it over to you. So so join me, Simon. You're gonna join me already at Scaling New Heights, but I, I would love to have you as a partner in this journey to get, if more accountants were delivering those products on a consistent basis, it would change the world. Totally. Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us, Simon. I love your book. I love your cause. Stay out there and keep championing transformation. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to all of you who tuned in for this episode of the Scaling New Heights podcast. Remember, you can find a wide range of resources in your journey to scale new heights, as well as more information about our annual Scaling New Heights conference at scalingnewheights.com.